0: And uh, I want to take our text from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to read just two verses, verses 3 and 4. If you are a first-time guest and you're wondering, like, what part of the service this is, think of this as like Sunday school. Except we go, usually we go a little bit deeper than you might have heard in your average Sunday school lesson, or we try to at least. And, and the design, the purpose of it is only about 20 minutes, but the purpose of it is just to kind of whet your appetite in hopes that you're, you will continue to dig deeper on your own and study God's Word. So this is the second lesson from uh, the weapons of our warfare. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Aren't you glad that God has given us the ability to pull down any satanic stronghold in our life? Any, no matter what it is. You have been given the ability. You remember Popeye? How many ever seen Popeye? And about the time he had had enough of Brutus, he did one thing. You remember what he did? Got out a spinach out of a can. Nasty stuff out of a can. Squeezed it real hard and out popped the spinach and it flew right into his mouth. Just like that, his arms got real big, and his legs got real big. And with one punch, he could just get rid of Brutus. But, you know, don't you wish that fighting our spiritual battles was as easy as eat your spinach? But in many ways, it kind of is. Because there are things that we should be digesting daily and, and putting into our life on a daily basis. Amen. But I believe that we as a church are entering... And and in many ways, we have already entered a season of spiritual conflict. You may have already felt this conflict personally. You may, since the start of this year, you may personally have already felt this conflict. But I will tell you this: Brother Tenny used to say, "For "For every new level, there's a new devil. For every new level, there's a new devil." And the higher you climb, the bigger the devils get, because you're getting stronger. Uh, so this is a spiritual war that must be fought with spiritual weapons. You can't fight a spiritual weapon in the flesh. You can't fight it with just, you know, you can't go out and get your favorite gun or your shotgun and, and go devil hunting. It, doesn't, it just doesn't work that way, uh, you know, because the devil is not always so easy to find, Amen. But 1 Timothy 1 and 18 says this, I charge thee, this this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest wage or war a good warfare. Now, I believe that, of course, Paul was writing this to his son in the gospel, Timothy, but this is true of every born-again child of God, that you have a charge before God to war a good warfare. Because you're in God's army now. And we have to take this walk very seriously. 2 Timothy 2 and 4, he said again to the same, same person, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So you may have heard how that Roman soldiers were not allowed to engage in marriage. Or husbandry. Or merchandise. Or trade. Or anything that might be inconsistent with their calling. But as long as they were a Roman soldier, they had to focus only upon the task at hand. And that was how to be a good Roman soldier. Because you can't become entangled with the affairs of this life and still be a soldier. And I'm not, I'm not here to tell you today that you can't get married and you can't. I myself am married. So I'm not here to, to, to say you got to live this super crazy strict life. But nevertheless, there are things in this life that can entangle you and weigh you down and keep you from walking in the spirit the way that God wants you to walk into that. Are you entangled today? I think that's something that we should all ask ourselves from time to time. Have we become entangled with affairs of this life? Are you capable of engaging in deep spiritual conflict because you are strong in the Lord and prayed up and filled up in his word? Simply asked, can God count on you? Can God count on you and on your prayers? We are marching steadily as a church into a time of spiritual conflict. We must be ready to engage the enemy on his territory. This will be a season of spiritual engagement and conflict. No victory ever comes without a fight. No territory is ever won back without a war. And spiritual enlargement does not ever come without a battle. No bully is ever gotten rid of or fought without unless somebody first stands up to that bully. I remember when I was a kid, I had a kid that followed me around. I had Tourette syndrome, I had epilepsy, I had just about every problem you can imagine I had. And he followed me around and imitated me. It was about the third, fourth grade. I was in a special education class, had a learning disorder because of, of my disability. It was my learning disability? I was on Dilantin, which does, has a lot of bad effects too. He, he followed me around for the whole year, and he just imitated me on the playground, every everything that I did. And it was happened several months, and, and it was I remember I'll never forget was it was uh it was right about the time spring started to come around, and it was still a little chilly, and I had on a windbreaker. I probably shouldn't be telling you this story, but I'm going to tell you anyway. By the way, this is not advocating violence in any way, okay? I'm just saying, you know, this is, what, this is my story. This is what happened to me. And, uh, and you know, he, he really tried to isolate me. And, of course, you know how grade school kids are. When one kid is isolated, they all just pile on. And so, I, I mean, it was in March, so we still had two, three months left of school. And he did it one more time. And I spun around. And for the first time, I had had enough. And I was angry. And I said, well, I took my jacket off, and I threw it down on the ground. And I said, do it one more time. (laughs) I promise. This is what I did. I said, do it. I was like maybe in the fourth grade. And he did it one more time. And I took the back of his head. And you remember those old fence posts that were metal, and they were pointed at the top? His head got planted into that fence post. Now, those were the days where... They used to paddle you at school, and I, I got like three paddles, but I tell you what, it was worth it because the rest of the year, it broke him from being a bully. I promise you, every time he saw me, he cried. I'm not kidding, and he would go the other way. He wouldn't ride the bus with me. He wouldn't come anywhere near me because that's the way it is with bullies. Once you stand up to them, they're really just scared little people. And that's really all that they are. And you know what? There's been a bully in our life long enough, I think. There's been a bully that's been kind of pushing us around in our life. And and maybe some of you, he's kept you addicted to things and, and he's kind of got you down. He's kind of messed your life up. It's time you stood up to that bully. It's time you start waging a good warfare because you are not standing by yourself. There is a God that's going to stand with you in this hour. Praise God. But it is the Lord's battle. Deuteronomy 20 and 1, it says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of bondage. This same command was reiterated to Joshua as he stood on the banks of the Jordan River after Moses died. (coughs) Joshua 1 and 9 says, I have not commanded thee. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever you go. If some of you right now are in battles right as I'm speaking. And This is a word directly to you. It's saying don't be afraid because God is going to help you fight that battle. Matter of fact, he's going to fight it for you if we'll be still and have confidence in God. Amen. Psalms 46 and 5 says, God is in the midst of her, her referring to the church. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Selah means stop, pause, and think about what you just heard. Now, he, he talked about uh, the heathen raged. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. That means that was the verse that the book of Acts the church of Acts quoted in the book of Acts whenever persecution began. And, and they said, you, you told us in your word, God, that the heathen were going to rage, that, that the heathen were going to try to reach out and stop what you're doing. But, but now, this is about, about at the end of Acts chapter 5. But now they said, Lord, we want you to, to stretch out your hand and heal and deliver by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And the place was shaken where they were assembled. And they went out and spake the word of God with boldness. That's the kind of confidence the early church had. But he goes on to say in Psalms, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariots in the fire. First of all, he said, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. Because there are times when the battle comes to you and God puts you into a position of defense against the enemy. And during seasons like that, you can bet that God is going to be your refuge and strength. We all have times and stories of when the battle came to us. Like suddenly it just happened and we had no control over it. But other times, God says, get up and march and go into the battle and take back your position. And those are the times when God is saying, get up and and march. Amen. He says, he maketh wars to cease. That means that there are things that you have battled, may have battled in your life for a long time. But there's a God that can make your war to cease. There's a God that can put an end to that bully, that can put an end to that bully, to uh, to to that particular thing that's been impacting you. Whatever season comes... God is the God who makes wars to cease in your life. In other words, he finishes the battle. There is a strong man in this city that's been here for too long. Amen. Jesus said in Mark 3 and 27, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind that strong man, and then he will spoil his house. You know, Jesus had just cast out a lot of devils in the early chapter of Mark chapter 3. And he was accused by the Pharisees and Sadducees of casting out devils through the power of the devil himself. Now, of course, Satan cannot cast out himself. So that's what Jesus was, that was the point he was trying to bring out. The point also was that you have to be stronger than the strong man in the house in order to cast him out. I mean, if, if there's this big guy, 300 pounds of muscle, you're not going to, if you look like me, you're not going to go up and just try to cast him out of his own house. Not unless you got a bigger gun. And even then, he might be better at using his smaller gun than you are at your giant big gun. Amen. So there was a the strong man. you got to be stronger than the strong man. And there's been a strong man in this city for too long. And you may not be stronger than him, but I know a God who is. Those devils lived in those people all their life until Jesus showed up and made them homeless. He's robbed peace. He's taken lives. He's caused many not to see the gospel. It's time that we as a church stand up and say enough is enough. There's a strong man in this city, but we're taking back some things. We're taking back some territory. Amen. And we're gonna march forward and go forward into battle. And we are not going to stay the size that we are Many will see the gospel. Many will come and get baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 and 13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was written against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. You know, Satan will show up like that schoolyard bully whose story I told you, thinking, wanting to convince you that he's bigger and badder than you. But Satan truthfully lost his power at Calvary. The cross took away the power of Satan, and he's been unseated and unthrown. It is so important that you see him in that light. When you're going out into spiritual battle and you are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ and you are living a holy life, you've got the same Jesus inside of you that cast out those devils with a single word. And it's not you that they're scared of. It's the Jesus in you. It's that name. We need to see the devil is cast out and Jesus victorious over all his enemies and foes. Every principality and power in this city is subject to the name of Jesus Christ every principality and power and we're serving notice today to the prince of this city that his time is up in Jesus name and we will see the lame walk and the blind see and the dumb speak and the dead come to life again and the alcoholics delivered and the drug addicts saved and in their right mind, and marriages saved, and families put back together again, and backsliders home again where they belong, and children are going to come back. We will see that in this hour. We will see that in this season. Amen. We will see a great light shine in this city, the light of truth, the light of the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ and the mighty God in him, and it will echo out into the entire region and all around the world. That's the kind of season we are in right now. It's a season not just of spiritual struggle, but it is a season of spiritual design. Because it did not come by accident from God. God's been planning this for a long time. And now he has all the right pieces in place. And he's telling his church to go forward. That's even the very theme for this particular season right now sit by our pastor march onward be bold for god is with you do not be afraid of the struggle for you will surely be victorious in this hour amen judges chapter 7 when gideon was told to go out i don't know i don't have the time to go through this whole story but he had several thousand and god widowed it down to about 300 and of course he was outnumbered by about 100 to 1 but from, from the book of Judges 7 and verse 18, it says, here's Gideon talking. He says, when I, blow with, when I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow you the trumpets also on every side of the camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came, out, came unto the outside of the camp in the building of the middle, beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets. And they break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place, ran about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Beth unto Zeroth, and to the border of Abomola, and unto Tabath. Now, when the enemy heard these words, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, they had perhaps never heard the name of Jehovah before. And if they had, suddenly they became terrified of that name. You know, the sword of the Lord, the word Lord there in all caps is Jehovah in the original Hebrew. Literally, the name became a sword and a weapon against the enemy. And literally, what they were literally saying to the enemy was the name is a sword. This name suddenly became a terror to him. I remember whenever we were, whenever we were just kids, there was this man, that was this, uh, there was this young kid our age who was the son of a Buddhist priest that came to our church, and he was possessed of the devil. And we took him back, me and about two or three other kids, we took him back to the prayer room, and over the course of the next hour, we cast out that devil. And he said this, when he finally came to, and, he, and God filled with the Holy Ghost that night too, Whenever he finally came to, he said this. He said, I've never been so afraid of the name of Jesus before. He said, I've heard other Christians talk about it, and, and I've never been afraid of it until I came to this church and until you began to pray. And you know what? The devil is terrified of the name of Jesus. It is a sword that can be used against him. And whenever they cried out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, the name is the sword, and they cried it out in faith That name became a sword because there's something about a shout. From Joshua 6 and 20, whenever they were marching around the walls of Jericho, so when the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Victory came with a shout that day. Those walls which had for centuries been there suddenly came crashing down with a shout of faith and of victory. What if we shouted here today a shout of faith and a shout of worship in confidence that God is surely going to do great things among us? What if we shouted today? Psalms 47.1 says this as we stand. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice. Of triumph, triumph meaning that victory has been won; that we have acknowledged that Satan has been deceived and dethroned. Isaiah 6, 12 and six says, "Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee." Forty two and eleven says, "Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice; the village, uh, the Keter that doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rocks sing; let them shout." from the top of the mountains. And one more from Isaiah 44 and 23. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath delivered Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Of all the weapons that we have available at our disposal today, a shout is the most effective when it's done in faith and in confidence of what God will do. If you are fighting a battle, of any kind right now, I don't care how you feel right now, I don't care what the battle is and how much it must be raging, I want you just to lift your hands right now and I want you just to shout out the name of Jesus Christ and continue to do that throughout this worship service and you will see as you worship that those walls will start to come down and your victory will surely come in your life because this is our season of spiritual victory.
1: Oh, I have a message this morning, but I think it's a beautiful time right now for us to take communion. My remarks will be short, so you don't even have to sit down, but uh, singing about the Lord and what He's done, I just think it's important. We do this about once a quarter. The Bible just says, whenever you do it, take it and remember it to me doesn't tell us how often to do it. Some churches do it every week, some do it once a year. I just think it's important that we do it. We do it quarterly here. We just pause and stop everything and remember what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. And if you're here as a guest, don't feel like you, oh, this is not my church. I haven't signed a membership form. Skip that, okay? This is an open communion, meaning If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the price for your sins, take communion with us. Take communion with us. All this is, is it's us together remembering as a body, hey, He paid a price. He paid a price. And this past week, I was laying in bed and thinking about what communion actually means and God was starting to impress on me. This is another thing that we do quarterly. We call everybody to do a three-day fast. I know that doesn't sound super fun. Usually we only do that when we need some blood work or some kind of surgery, right? But now, spiritually, the Bible talks about fasting. It's denying flesh and drawing near to spirit. It's not just not eating. It's not eating and praying and seeking God's face. And you'll hear with clarity. And uh, he's impressing on me a three-day fast. And what we ask you to do here... Is at some point this week or next week, in the next two weeks, that you take three days and fast and pray. For some, you might say, oh my goodness, I'm diabetic. I can't, I can't do that. We, everybody can fast something that, that the body enjoys. Something that you should feel when you, when you skip it. And so God starts speaking to me, and as I'm laying there wide awake at 1230 in the morning, I asked God, I said, I thought we were talking about communion. You're talking about a fast. How in the world do these things relate? And God spoke to me, and I wrote it down so that I would not mess up his words. Here's what God said. God said, my death is what makes life possible. Just as I was buried and rose again three days later, if my people will die out to self and bury some things, three days later they are going to see some new things come to life that will take them to another dimension. Oh, let's just thank God for that word. I believe that's a word for our church. I believe that's a word for somebody here today. What a powerful word, Jesus. We thank you for that. Oh, and so folks, this three-day fast, it's going to be instrumental in some of your ministries and some of your individual walks with God. But first, there are some things in our flesh and in our own spirit that need to die before other things can come alive. And this is exactly what I'm getting ready to preach here this morning, but first, first, I want to invite everybody to come. And just go ahead and from the front row, you'll come and just make your way. Actually, well, we'll do one section. So just go like this. Sister Diana, start us off and just go around by row. Second row, come in here and go into your second row. Third row, come in here and go into the third row. And let's just keep it organized right now as we begin to sing another song. And again, this is open to everybody. you Praise the Lord. Has everyone been served who is desiring to be served? If you have not, just raise your hand, make sure we'll, we we do not want to miss anybody who's wanting to partake in communion. Scripture talks about how they took a Last Supper, which actually would have been more than a cracker and some grape juice. But it's not necessarily the element, it's the remembrance of what Jesus did and the price that He paid. We never want to forget that. We never want to take it for granted. We always want to pause and say, thank you so much, because as He said, my death is what makes life possible and so when paul writes to the corinthian church he talks to them and he says that when we take this it's remembering the body that was broken for us and so let's all do that right now as we take this element together remember his body that was broken they all took of the cup to remember the blood that was shed for our sins let's just take a moment here and just really focus on this before we move on